<laughs> Amen. Good to see y'all. Good to see you. Boy, it's good to see you. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. Uh, I pray that you've already been blessed. And I pray uh, just a, a prayer of thanks uh, for people like Brother Howe. Amen. Uh, Brother Hal, I thank you so much for leading our worship and for being creative and blending our music together like that. It's just a a wonderful, wonderful time when we can come together as brothers and sisters uh, to worship the Lord. Um, Just to begin this morning, I wanted to tell you about one night when a Massachusetts state trooper uh, pulled over a speeding car. The officer said to the driver, sir, I clocked you at 80 miles an hour. The driver looked up at the officer and said, gee, officer, I had the cruise control set at 60. Maybe your radar detector needs to be calibrated. And his wife was in the passenger seat, and without even looking up from her knitting, she said, now, don't you be silly, dear. You know this car doesn't have cruise control. (laughs) Hmm. The officer then began writing him a ticket. And that driver looked over at his wife and said, can you for once keep your mouth shut? And the wife smiled again and said, honey, just be thankful that he didn't see your radar detector. (laughs) And so the officer began writing a second ticket for an illegal radar detector. The man angrily stared at his wife and clenched his teeth and said, woman, can't you keep your mouth shut? And the officer just shook his head and said, sir, I also noticed that you're not wearing your seatbelt. That's an automatic $75 fine. And the frustrated driver said, Well, officer, when you pulled me over, I had to take it, off, take it off so that I could get to my driver's license in my back pocket. And the wife spoke up and said, Now, honey, you know you weren't wearing your seatbelt. You never do when you drive. And so the officer begins writing a third ticket, and the driver furiously turns to his wife and said, Why don't you just shut up? And at this point, the officer looks over at his, at his, the wife and, and asks her, uh, does your husband always talk to you this way, ma'am? And that, uh, she said, no, only when he's been drinking. <laughs> hmm. Wow. You know, sometimes we bring trouble on ourselves, don't we? Other times, we have a precious wife that will bring it on us by that way. Sometimes other people bring trouble on But other times, there's life. Life seems to put on the squeeze. To put on the squeeze and we're left struggling with the hassles and the sorrows, the suffering and the pain and the misery that life can bring sometimes. Just before Judas betrayed Jesus, which led to his subsequent arrest, Jesus led his disciples to the Mount of Olives where they had been spending the last few nights. And as Jesus entered the garden, it was the end of one of those long and difficult days at the end of a long and difficult week. If you've ever had one of those kind of days, would you just raise your hand? Stacy already testified about hers in Sunday school. I was thinking about you, sis. A long and difficult day at the end of a long and difficult week. Luke gives us a brief description of of what occurs in the garden there at the base of the Mount of Olives. But he makes no mention of the eight disciples who were left at the garden gate. Luke makes no mention of the three, James, John, and Peter, who accompanied Jesus into the garden. 
Neither does Luke mention the three separate times that night that Jesus comes and finds his disciples sleeping. But Dr. Luke, Luke was a physician. Dr. Luke is the only gospel writer that writes about the sweat of Jesus becoming like blood and falling to the ground as he prayed. It's Luke, more than any other gospel writer, that rivets our attention to the soul-piercing anguish that Jesus experienced there in the garden. Turn with me to Luke chapter 22, and let's read about it. Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 39. The scriptures tell us that coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter temptation. And as he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, he, Jesus, knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him, to Jesus, from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer, and come to, had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I am so grateful that your word addresses everything we'll encounter in this life. So Lord, I pray that today when we realize that life is putting the squeeze on us, that we'd follow Jesus' example. And we pray this prayer in his holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. As I prayed... In this scripture passage, we can find great messages, great lessons about dealing with times of great trouble. It's here in Luke 22 that we see what the believer should do as we pass over rough roads. But first, we kind of need to get a feel, a feel for the circumstances that Jesus was in. In his report of this same event, the gospel writer Mark states that Jesus being troubled, 
and deeply distressed. Another translation says that he was filled with horror and in deep distress. Matthew writes that Jesus said to his disciples just how serious the situation was and said, my soul is swallowed up in sorrow, even to the point of death. Have you ever been there before? In such sorrow that perhaps you thought it was better just to go ahead and die. Jesus was saying here that his soul, his very being, was being crushed with grief. And he wasn't just overstating it for some dramatic effect. Jesus was literally near death. Did you know that a person can actually die from grief? Did you know that a person can actually die from sorrow? Friends, Jesus was in deep agony. But what was the cause of that deep agony? What was it that brought on that deep anguish? What was the reason for this intense mental and physical suffering that Jesus endured? There's only one satisfactory answer. The cause of his agony was our sin. Jesus was facing a fear that not only made him sweat, but actually made him sweat blood. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Friends, that's not just literature. That's for real. That sweat becoming blood is a condition called hematridosis. Hematridosis. And if you look up hematridosis on Wikipedia, on the internet, you'll find that hematridosis is a very rare condition in which a human actually sweats blood. It may occur while a person is suffering. It may occur when a person is undergoing extreme levels of stress. For example, if one is facing his or her own death. It's where the tiny blood vessels rupture in the sweat glands and produce a mixture of blood and sweat. Have you ever experienced that kind of stress? I doubt it. Few ever have. But I want you to know that your Lord Jesus Christ has experienced every level, level of trouble, every level of struggle, 
every level of pain, every level of sorrow, every level of misery that you ever have in your past, that you are going through right now, or that you might in the future. The Word of God says in Hebrews chapter 4 that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but who was in all points tempted to sin, but was yet without sin. And in regard to his greatest trial, the Lord Jesus spoke to Paul and said, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, let us all come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find that grace and to help us in our greatest times of need. Jesus faced this severe trial. He knew what was coming. He faced this severe trial, but how did he handle the pressure? How in the world did Jesus handle the pressure? Friends, when trials threaten to squeeze the very life out of Jesus, you need to know this morning that Jesus didn't shut others out. When life gets tough, you and I often resort to isolating ourselves, perhaps cutting people off or cutting ourselves off from other people. But that's not what we see here in the life of Jesus. It's not what we see in the example of our Lord. See, Jesus didn't go at it alone. And if Jesus needed others, how much more do you and I need others in the times of our struggles? When the going gets tough, and it always does, it may be a time for us to get some help from some other people. See, there is great power in partnership. True friends will hold you up when you're in the midst of a struggle. So when things get tough, and they always do, don't shut other people out. It was Solomon, perhaps the wisest man who ever lived, wrote this. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three is even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus took Solomon's advice? When trials threatened to squeeze the very life out of Jesus, he didn't shut others out. But when life, or when trials threatened to squeeze the life out of Jesus, he also didn't shut up his feelings. In Matthew chapter 26, as Matthew records this same event we just read about, Jesus said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death. Friends, this was something that he said to his disciples. He actually told that to his friends. You see, Jesus was being honest. He was being forthcoming about what he was struggling with. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what he was facing, but he made a decision to share it with those who were closest to him. Friends, we have to take a risk sometimes. 
We have to take a risk of asking someone to share in our most intimate struggles. Asking someone to share in our most intimate burdens. We need to identify someone, perhaps even a a small group. Someone that we can invite into our little garden. Someone we can invite into our garden of Gethsemane. Especially in our times of deepest sorrow. Now, this don't mean that you should go around telling everybody all your problems. Amen? You know some people like that. Rather, we ought to be prayerful and ask God to show you someone that you can share your pain with. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, the Apostle Paul reminds believers that we have a duty to bear one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. You have a duty to bear one another's burdens. And what are burdens? Burdens are heavy loads that we can't handle. Burdens are heavy loads that we can't pick up. Burdens are those heavy loads that we can't even lift. They represent any difficulty, any trial that we have trouble coping with. Remember, friend, it's not spiritual. It's pride to try to go at it alone. It's just an attitude of pride that makes us go at it alone. Christians are to continually bear one another's burdens. So when trials threatened to squeeze the very life out of Jesus, he didn't shut others out. And he didn't shut up his own feelings either. But also realize that when trials threatened to squeeze the life out of Jesus, he didn't try to do it his way. Years ago, Elvis Presley recorded that song, I Did It My Way. And I love Elvis music. Who else does? Can anybody move like Elvis? Just me? Robert can. I can do it better than you, Robert, I promise. I love Elvis music. But in the end, doing it his way didn't work out so well for him. Many people today try to escape their trials, try to escape their pain, try to escape their fears at a bar. They try to escape their struggles at the bottom of a bottle. They try to escape their their difficulties and their trials through the abuse of drugs. They think they can drown their fear by numbing their mind. But what happens? Their fear is just put on hold till later. Because when they sober up, guess what's still there waiting on them? All those struggles, all the pain, and all the burden. Some people go to worldly counselors, but all they get is an earthly solution. Some people will read self-help books, but they only find that what helps other people don't help them. 
Some people look to other people to solve their problems only to find out that those people have the same fear that they do. But there is another possibility. In the Bible, the psalmist wrote, and he's quoting God. God said, call on me in your day of trouble and I will deliver you. The half-brother of the Lord Jesus, James, also said of this, Is any of you in trouble? He should pray. In today's verses, we see an individual here who faces his trials by turning to God the Father. We see a person who reveals uh, intense emotions to God the Father in prayer. We see all of his emotional distress was laid before the Father in prayer. Jesus did what we must also do. Whenever we're faced with great pain, whenever you're faced with an overwhelming burden, an overwhelming struggle, You must pray. You must pray. Whether those moments are found in a hospital room, or whether they're found in a courtroom, or whether they're found in a, a funeral home, those are moments of prayer. They may be prayers of agony, maybe prayers of despair, maybe prayers where you're thinking about throwing in the towel and giving up on God. but we must pray. And we see here that Jesus takes his pain, takes his need to God in prayer. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in the busyness of life. Brother Chad's been spending six months on the busyness of life, it seems like. I'm only kidding. We've been talking about how busy we are. And sometimes we're just so busy that we neglect to take time to pray. Friends, we mustn't find time to pray. We mustn't make time to pray. we got to take time to pray. Everybody's got the same amount of time. You must take time to pray. When his trials were severe... Jesus went to his knees. When our trials are severe, we also ought to go to our knees. Look in verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. He knelt down and prayed. And I want you to notice that Jesus received an immediate answer to his prayer. But it was in a most unexpected way. You see, the Father did not remove the cup, the cup of suffering that he was about to endure. 
but rather sent an angel to minister to his son. Rather than telling Jesus how he might avoid the cross, the father sent an angel to encourage him and strengthen him. Jesus isn't spared the trial. He isn't spared the cross, but what he is supplied with is the strength to face it. He's not lifted up out of the trial. Instead, he's given the strength and encouragement to get through it. So when trials threaten to squeeze the very life out of Jesus, he didn't shut others out. He didn't shut his feelings up, and he didn't try to do it his way. But finally, when trials threaten to squeeze the very life out of Jesus, Jesus did not decide to be disobedient. In the second half of verse 42, the scriptures read, Jesus said, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus prayed that if there was any other way whereby mankind could be saved from his sin, that was his desire. But only if it was the Father's will. Greater than his fear, Greater than his dread over the task before him. Greater than the prospect of being crucified. Was his overwhelming desire to please God the Father. Friend, the greatest possible good you could ever do. Is to do God's will, whatever the cost. We talked about this Wednesday with the young people. If you're in a crisis of obedience, it's okay to tell God you don't want to obey. Like you don't already know, right? He knows you don't want to obey it. He knows you want to run from it. Just make sure you do what he tells you to do. And get this, even if it don't make sense. Do what God tells you to do, even if it don't make sense. Even if you don't want to, do what God tells you to do. You know, it's a terrible thing to find out that people you really counted on have disappointed you. They've let you down, maybe even stabbed you in the back. But verse 45 tells us that at last Jesus got up from praying. We don't know how long he suffered in prayer, but we do know that it was into the late evening. And then Jesus went out to his disciples where he found them sleeping again. Apparently, Luke knew something that the rest of them didn't. Because Matthew and Mark tells us that three times while Jesus was anguishing in prayer, the Lord woke him up. But only Luke tells us that the disciples were sleeping 
from sorrow. Apparently, the disciples had begun to understand. They'd begun to understand what lay ahead of Jesus, and they were overcome with sorrow. Now, anybody who has struggled with depression knows that we think that we can sleep away our problems. But when we wake up, guess what? They're still there. And so, the Lord's final message to his disciples was to pray. Why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. Pray. Now, that word there, pray, is not asking for one moment of prayer. Jesus wasn't looking for them to pray for him one time. Instead, he was telling them that they needed to have an ongoing commitment to pray and stay in fellowship with the Father. Are you going through the most difficult trial of your life right now? Are you facing insurmountable odds in your relationship? Are you being forced to deal with the consequences of past sins in your life? If so... Take a lesson. Take a lesson from the example of our Lord Jesus. Have you brought in loved ones and trusted friends? Or have you isolated yourself? Have you honestly expressed your feelings or do you believe that you have to put on a false front? Have you taken your problems to God and asked others to pray with you? Or do you feel like you can just handle it on your own? How's that working for you? Are you being obedient to God's leading in your life? Or are you using the difficulties and trials in your life as an excuse to run from God? Finally, have you accepted Christ's sacrifice for your sins so that you can have a right standing with God? The Bible says that by believing, by believing in Christ's sacrifice for you, by believing with all your heart, you are made right with God. And by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, you are saved. What do you do when trials threaten to squeeze the very life out of you? What do you do? Jesus would encourage you this morning to bring in trusted friends, to express your feelings to them, to make sure you take your problems to God. And whatever you do, don't do it your way. I don't know what your problems are this morning, I don't know what trials you're enduring. But I know that there's one that we know who can help us in our time of need. And so this time of decision is not only for those who don't know the Lord Jesus. It's also an opportunity for you to be prayed for 
to ask for help with your struggles and your trials. And so during this decision time, if there's something you're struggling with and you'd like to confide with me, I'd love to pray with you. If you'd like to just pray and just bring it to God, I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Perhaps there's a friend somewhere in the congregation that you'd like to confide in. Perhaps someone who's been through the same struggle you have. Seek that person out today. Don't let the trials in our lives squeeze the very life out of you. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for the perfect model and example of our Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you that our Savior was 100% human and 100% God and was without sin. So, Lord, as he stepped out of the perfect, the perfection of heaven, he stepped into the imperfection of our world. And, Lord, he suffered. He endured all the same things we do. And yet he didn't shut others out. He didn't shut up his own feelings. He didn't try to do things his own way. And he didn't decide to be disobedient. So, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus today that if there's a struggle one of your children is going through this morning, Father, they would follow his instruction, follow his example, that they might be assisted and lift their burden lifted. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for your desire to care for us in this way. So, Lord, now this decision time is yours. If there's one here that doesn't have a relationship with you, through faith in Jesus Christ, speak to them now, Lord. Still soft whisper. Speak to them about a desire that you have to be in a relationship with them. Lord, encourage them to have the courage to step out, step up, and allow me to show, you what your, show them what your word says about how they can be saved from their sins and have an eternal life with you. We know it will glorify you. And we know it will bless them. So Lord, whatever their decision is today, help them to bring it forth in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said,